0: Welcome to Healing Place Church, where our mission is to be a healing place for a hurting world. We hope to enrich your life through reaching, serving, giving, and building. As you listen to this teaching, be inspired to fulfill your God-given destiny through the power of His Word. Fantastic. If you have your Bibles, turn to the book of Genesis. Genesis. And I want to take a moment to welcome all of those that are joining us by way of El Paso. So from here on the bayous of the deep south, we welcome Healing Place Church and El Paso. Uh, Can you put your hands together, show your love and appreciation for all of our friends in the desert southwest? We love it. We love it. It takes a village. Um, Today I want to talk to you about... Parenting your children. Parenting your children. Now, I want to be careful and set some context as it relates to this family series because I know some people are like, well, wait a second, I'm not a parent, or you know, my family's not here, or I'm not married, and so you're going to be talking about all this other stuff that doesn't really pertain to me. No, no, no. This series is for you. Turn to your neighbor and say, He's talking to you. Today, I'm talking about parenting your children, but next week, I'm gonna to talk to you about how to pick your spouse. I saw some people sitting up. How many of you are saved? You're single, and you're searching. Come on, somebody. Yes indeed. Keep your hands up just for a second. That's all right. I see some connections being made. How many know if you want to find the right person? You got to look in the right place. Holla, holla. Yes indeed. So don't tune out. Listen, the next six or seven weeks, you definitely want to be at every installment. Today, we're talking about parenting your children. Um, How many of you, just out of curiosity, you have in your family some interesting family dynamics? Oh, yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. How many of you have a touch of crazy in your family? Some of you, I see, you're trying to think, okay, you're scrolling through the files to figure out who's the crazy. Listen, if you can't figure out who that touch of crazy is in your family, it's probably you. (laughs) You know, my family, the Hamans, we, and I'll just, I'll use this series to tell on myself. Uh, You know, we definitely are not the perfect family. And and, uh, I often tell people, we put the funk in dysfunctional. Um, we got a lot of issues that we've walked through over the years and generations. Um, you know, it's funny because in observing the Haman family, one of the things I noticed about us, we're a family of strong opinions. How many of you got some opinions, strong opinions in your family? We have strong opinions, but we also have sensitive feelings. Anybody got some sensitivity? Come on. Somebody say, save the drama for your mama. Anytime you put together strong opinions with sensitive feelings, you know what you have? Because, baby, you're a firework. You got some fireworks happening. Come on, snap, crackle, and pop. Um, so the, the whole idea, of, especially of today's message, as we talk about parenting, I promise you, I'm not trying to put guilt on Anybody? Okay, I'm not a travel agent that's going to put you on a guilt trip during this series. Everybody say, thank you, Pastor. I'm going to tell on myself. We're going to talk out of our own experiences and out of our own pain and our own struggles. Um, but I want you to know you're not alone. Uh, we're going to look at an Old Testament family today. We're going to go all the way back to Abraham. How many of you have ever heard of Abraham? We call him the father of our faith, right? Remember, Father Abraham had many sons and many. many sons have Father Abraham. I am one of them. So. Right. Come on, man. Are you with me? You with me? You with me? <laughs> yeah, we, we talk about. Father Abraham, I want you to know, it's interesting if you were to do a deep dive into the Old Testament and study some of the dynamics in Abraham's family, how many know they got some whacked out things in the Old Testament? Yeah, so as crazy as you think your family might be, if you stack it up next to some of these Old Testament families, how many know you're looking pretty normal right about now? And I'm just so glad that the Bible keeps it real. You know, you come to church and, man, we don't have to have some stained glass approach that everybody's got their stuff together. We know that we struggle through things. And what I love about the Bible, i tell you this, the, the Bible is definitely inspired by the Holy Spirit because you know that if man were to write the Bible, he would never say such bad things about himself. But the Holy Spirit caused these men to write the history of God's people. And we'll see, even in Abraham's family, there were some interesting things going on. Abraham, he had many sons, but his first two sons were very different. Uh, One was a wild child, um, and the other was blessed. One was the son of promise, but the other one seemed to struggle. Ishmael, okay, let me give you just a quick backdrop first before we read the Scriptures. Ishmael was Abraham's first son. Um Sarah is Abraham's wife. She was not able to conceive. God had promised a son to Abraham and Sarah. She couldn't conceive and so Sarah gets a bright idea. How many's ever had a bright idea before? How many's ever tried to help God out? Turn your name and say God don't need your help. See, sometimes we get this thing confused. We need God's help, but he does not need ours. Sarah says to her husband, Abraham, look, God's promised us the son. I can't give you a son. So you know what? How about you just take my servant, Hagar? She's my maid. She works for me. She's a little Egyptian girl. How about you just sleep with her and maybe she can give you a son? And Abraham looks at Sarah. It's like, okay, (laughs) if you insist. And so what happened? Now, I'm not making this up. Okay, read your Bible. Read your Bible. Don't get mad at me. This is, this is the Holy Scriptures. So, he, so Abraham and Hagar get together, and Hagar gets pregnant, and so she starts treating her mistress with contempt. She starts making Sarah, you know, belittling her master. And so Sarah gets upset, and she goes to Abraham. She said, Abraham, this is all your fault. <laughs> and you think your family's got some issues. And then we see 13 years later, a young man named Isaac was born. Isaac was the son of promise. He was chosen by God to confirm this blessing that God had given Abraham originally. Interesting how you have two different children. Watch this, same dad, two very different kids, two very different paths. One child was wild and wayward. The other was blessed and full of promise. My question to us is this, What plan are we following in how we choose to raise our children? Uh, This is a picture of what our kids could become depending on the choices that we make. Are you the gatekeeper of what comes into your home and what goes out of your home? Is your family the result of everything you've invested or everything you've withheld? I want to talk to you this morning about how to raise Isaacs. How to raise sons and daughters of promise. In Genesis 17, look at verse 19. The Bible says it like this. But God replied to Abraham. He said, no, Sarah, your wife, will give birth to a son for you. You will name him Isaac. Everybody say Isaac. His name literally means laughter. You'll name him Isaac, and I will confirm my covenant with him and his descendants as an everlasting covenant. Can I have an amen for the reading of the word? Amen. You see, God was talking to Abraham about his children. I want you to know this. God will talk to you about your kids. And all the parents said, uh, amen. come on, how do you know? Mama has a way of finding things out because <laughs> God talks to mom. Interesting how, and and if you're taking notes, I want you to see there's four different things I want to talk to us about this morning as it relates to parenting our children. And the first is this, write this down if you're taking notes. Number one, our responsibility in raising Isaacs, sons and daughters of promise, it starts with this, instilling purpose instilling purpose. You see, God spoke to Abraham about Abraham's purpose. He told him in Genesis chapter 12, I'm going to bless you and I'm going to make your name great. And you'll be a blessing to the nations of the earth. You'll be the father of a great nation. Now, Abraham got impatient and him and Sarah, they got out ahead of God and created a whole lot of hurt and heartache and conflict in the process. But when the son of promise came, God had already spoken to Abraham. You'll call his name Isaac. And he will confirm the blessing that I have, not just upon you, but upon the next generation and the generations to come. Now, here's the awesome responsibility we have as moms and dads. How we train and how we raise the children that God gives us. It's not only shaping the trajectory of their life. But it also shapes the trajectory of their children and their children's children and their children's children's children. So it's not just we're not just doing what we see in front of us. But the decisions we make and the values we carry and the practices that we embrace as mom and dad, it sets the course for generations to come. Now, when you talk about come on, put your hands together if you believe that. When we talk about instilling purpose, there are three things. You say, Mike, okay, I get that. What do you mean instilling purpose? How do we do that? I want to be very practical because uh, parents, how we instill purpose, there's three simple things that I thought of immediately. It has to do with who we seek, what we speak, and the environments we set. Who we seek, what we speak, and the environments that we set. Those are three, not the only three, but three critical pieces to instilling purpose in our kids. You see, our kids need to know that they were created on purpose for a purpose. So I think there's a generation among us that they struggle to find their purpose. They struggle to find hope. They feel hopeless and helpless. If they listen to all the noise around them, they'll never discover the purpose of God inside of them. But parents, we have to seek God. Who we seek, we've got to seek God. Dial into God first and then dial into your kids You see, God spoke to Abraham, and Abraham embraced purpose. Then when Isaac comes along, then Abraham's speaking to Isaac about his purpose. You see, it's not just who we seek, but it's what we speak. We've got to say words over our kids. Mom, Dad, listen, make conversations about God in your house, make them normal. If the, only, if the only time we talk to our kids about God is in church, I think we're missing a huge window to speak into the destiny of our children. You know, and, and for us, I mean, growing up as a kid, and I try to think about, okay, what was my own experience like? And my mom and dad weren't perfect, but guess what? How many of know kids aren't perfect either? You know, just as we need to give grace to our kids for their mistakes, mom and dad, there's grace for you, too. And my parents weren't perfect, but I tell you this, I grew up in a home where I felt, from my earliest memories, I felt like I was going to do something great with my life. And it wasn't because I was so great, but my mom and my dad were speaking things over me. I heard it again and again. Now, originally, I thought, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to make it to the NBA. You know, I thought, man, hey, I love basketball. I start playing sports. My dad would tell me how great I am. I'm thinking, man, I'm headed to the L.A. Lakers, baby. Guess what? My basketball skill got me not to L.A. It got me to Pineville, Louisiana. I played at Louisiana College. That's all the ability that I had. But guess what? My purpose was greater than Pineville, Louisiana. I thought basketball was going to take me to the four corners of the world. It didn't. It got me to Pineville. But the gospel has taken me to the four corners of the world because, again, and this has nothing to do with me, but God had a plan and a purpose for my life, and my parents began to speak that over me. You know, you need to make God conversations normal with your kids. You know, you pick them up from school. Hey, how was your day? Oh, it was good. How many mom and dad do you feel like you're just pulling teeth trying to get information from your kids? Eight hours, and all you give is one word? It was good. You know, so my parents would say, hey, well, what did you like most about your day? I'm thinking, hey, okay, I like P.E. And I dominated in P.E. today. Siri, remind me to dominate relentlessly. I, I, so I start talking about my, that's the greatest part of my day. And then they say, what was the toughest part of your day? Well, then, okay, I got some things my dad didn't really care. And then they'd say, well, how did that make you feel? Now, do you see how these questions start to lead your kids down a path? And it's not just information now, but the depth of the conversation. When kids start talking about how they feel about what's happened, then you start to get into their heart and their spirit. And then the the God factor comes in. Because as a kid processes his journey, it's impossible to make sense of it apart from an almighty God. So it's it's who we seek. we got to seek God first. Then it's what we speak. You know, uh, when we take our kids to school, and I've got the joy of bringing my children to school every morning. And so I don't complain about traffic because I know I have a captive audience. I've got about 35 or 40 minutes. So we say, hey, baby, buckle up. Here we go. And so, man, we're going to school, and you know, man, they're trying to study or you know, watch LSU football highlights on my cell phone. That's what Trevor is, Dad. I want to, I want to, can I see your phone? I want to watch football. But man, I'm starting to pray over these kids. I say, okay, kids, I know you get ready to step onto your campus, and there's some battles, some challenges. God has given you armor, and he's given you weapons. And I start speaking over them. Lord, I thank you that you've equipped my kids head to toe with the full armor of God. You've given them the helmet of salvation to protect their mind and their thoughts. You've given them the breastplate of righteousness to guard their heart and their spirit, the shield of faith to block every fiery dart of the enemy. Lord, you've given them the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, to slice and dice the devil and cut him down to size. Okay, when I start talking like that, then Trevor's like, Dad, what'd you say? He liked that sword stuff. Lord, you've given them the belt of truth to hold up their dignity, their honesty, and their integrity. For shoes, you've given them the gospel of peace. May those shoes order their steps and give them purpose and direction. But God, what good is all the armor without the warrior on the inside? Give them a warrior spirit. Teach them to fight the good fight of faith. Whoa, 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 whoa. Some are like, Mike, will you ride to school with me? You can speak these things over your kids. They need to hear you say those things. It's who we seek. It's what we speak. And it's the environments that we set. We've got to set some environments for our kids. And I know kids these days, they are busier than ever. Our children are involved in everything. And I love activity. I really do. As a kid growing up, I was involved in sports, everything sports. I played it. I was involved in the marching band. I did that. And thank God for travel ball and marching band and theater and cheer and dance. Thank God for all of it. I don't have a single bad thing to say about it. But God forbid we do all those things for our kids and we neglect the house of God. Don't forget kids district on Sunday, man. Don't forget devoted high school and junior high ministry here on Wednesdays. Get your kids into small groups and godly environments. Insist that they go to church with you because listen, travel ball can teach your kids a skill, but only God can show them their purpose. And I'm not sliding any of those environments. But we have to prioritize the house of God. You know, as a kid growing up, man, I tell people this all the time. I had a drug problem. I did. My mama drug us to church Sunday morning. She drug us to church Sunday night. She drug us to the prayer meeting, drug us to the Wednesday night. We were in church all the time. Let's be intentional about setting environments for our kids, My oldest is 19, and I remember whenever she was born, we brought her to church, and at Healing Place on a Sunday, we stood on a stage down at that building called the Annex, and we dedicated her to the purposes of God. And I remember baptizing her myself on her ninth birthday when she turned nine years old. After a Wednesday night service, we had a big horse trough brought out front, Put her in that horse trough and baptized her in Jesus' name. Man, watched her grow up in the youth group. And now here she is, 19 years old, second year in college. She stood on this stage just a few minutes ago. She's a part of Healing Place College. And I'm thinking, Lord, how did that happen? Who we seek, what we speak. The environments that we set. Now listen, I can't call my kids into ministry. You can't call your kids into ministry, but you can prepare their hearts so that when the call of God comes for whatever their assignment may be, they'll be ready and they'll say yes. Can I have a good amen? See, the first thing and one of the most important things is instilling purpose in our kids. Now look at what it says, Genesis 22. I'm going to skip over a few chapters. Genesis 22, starting with verse 6. So Abraham placed the wood for the burnt offering on Isaac's shoulders while he himself carried the fire and the knife. As the two of them walked on together, Isaac turned to Abraham and said, Father, yes, my son, Abraham replied. We have the fire and we have the wood, the boy said. But where's the sheep for the burnt offering? Look at verse 8. Abraham said, God will provide a sheep for the burnt offering, my son. Abraham answered and they both walked on together. You see, the the, the second thing, I want you to write this down, number two, not only is it instilling purpose, that's what we do as parents, but number two, it's about modeling our faith. It's about modeling faith. Now in this chapter, it's kind of a unique chapter because in verse one, the Bible says God tested. Parents, how many know that we will be tested? There is a test. It's not just our kids being tested, but mom and dad, we get tested. The Bible says that God tested Abraham in verse 1. In verse 13, the Bible says God provided for Abraham. What was it that allowed him to get from the test in verse 1 to the provision in verse 13? It was a thing called trust. He had to trust God. God spoke to Abraham and said, take this son of yours and lay him on the altar as a sacrifice. Now, can you imagine as Isaac is walking up that mountain with his dad? Isaac's thinking, Dad, are you crazy? Now, what in the world are we doing? Let me me stop right here and say this. Don't be the cool parent. Be the crazy parent. See, the problem with a lot of moms and dads, they're trying to be cool. i am tell you this. You are not your children's best friend. At least not yet. You can't be their best friend early on. You've got to be the authority. We represent God. Listen, I tell my son, I love him, but I'm not his best friend. You know, my job is not to make you love me more. My job is to encourage you to love Jesus To make right choices. Sometimes I got to say, boy, you ain't back talking mama like that. I brought you into this world. (laughs) I can take you out. Not trying to be your friend, not trying to be the cool parent. Listen, it's okay, mom and dad, for you to lose some cool points. I know you used to be hip and cool whenever you were young and running and gunning and doing your thing. And that sometimes, you know, when your kids get up, they call you an old fuddy-duddy. And Man, why we got to listen to your music. And Man, that's so old school. And, man, all that stuff. And I know it. I get it. I'm not trying to impress my kids. I'm not trying to be a cool parent. But I tell you this. I'll be crazy when it comes to my faith. I'm going to put my faith out there because I want them to see, hey, my dad is for real. You may not understand it. You may not even uh, uh, agree with it, but one day you'll come to respect it. You see, Abraham had to put his faith first. The Bible says, train up a child in the way that he should go, right? Proverbs 22, six, train up a child in the way that he should go. And when he gets older, what? He won't depart from it. That's a promise given to parents. What's the best way to train up a child in the way that he should go? Tell you this, you need to walk that way yourself. Come on now. The best way to train our children in the direction that they should go, we've got to walk that way first. Tell you this, a good example is worth a thousand sermons. I wonder how many times we've preached a thousand sermons, but we haven't set the right example first. You see, Abraham had to model his faith. Let, let, let me put it this way. Okay. I want you to put your pens down just for a moment. Put your notepads down. I want you to look at me. Okay. Now I want you to follow. So I'm going to talk you through a little set of instructions here. I want everybody to hold up your index finger like this. All right. Number one. All right. Okay. Now that index finger that you formed, I want you to connect it to your thumb, creating a perfect circle, just like this. Are you with me? Y'all with me? Okay, now with that circle that you've created by connecting your finger to your thumb, I want you to put it right here on your chin. Ready? Okay, stop. Stop, 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 da, 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 da. Don't move, don't you dare move a muscle. Where did I tell you? Nah, bah, 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 nah, nah. I see what some of you are doing like, Where did I tell you to place the circle? Where? I told you to put it on your cheek. Why you got it on your cheek? Yeah, you saw what I did. I led you, like sheep led to the slaughter. I led you right to it, didn't I? I told you one thing. Oh, come on now. I told you one thing, but I did another. And do you see... You see the confusion we create for our kids when we preach them a sermon, but we don't live it out in front of them. We just add to the hypocrisy that most people have g- garnered as it relates to the local church. I don't want anything to do with religion. I don't want anything to do with church. I don't know that preacher, this preacher, that failure, this fa-, you know, And all the stuff that gets built up because ah, they just want money or they just say this and all the excuses that the devil will provide for our kids. But you know what? When our lips... Match our life. How many of you know that's power? Because our kids, our kids will not just simply do what we say. They'll do what they see. People do what people see. And so I don't want to just be up here preaching it on Sunday, but then living crazy on Monday, creating confusion for my kids. Are you with me? Paul said it this way in 1 Corinthians 11. He says, and you should imitate me just as I imitate Christ. Question What if your kids did what you did, said what you said, watched what you watched, listened to what you listened to, lived everything they saw you live? Would they be more like Christ? You see, God spoke to Abraham, and Abraham was obedient. Number one, he instilled purpose. Number two, he modeled faith. Now look over at at Genesis 24. Is this helping anybody? Awesome. How many of you give me just five more minutes? Five? Five more minutes? Five, 10, 15, 20, 25, 30, 35? We're here for three hours. Bless the Lord. Genesis 24, 1. Watch this. Abraham was now a very old man. So now we see him up in his latter years. And the Lord had blessed him in every way. One day, Abras, Abraham said to his oldest servant, the man in charge of his household, he said, take an oath by putting your hand under my thigh. <laughs> I don't recommend that. <laughs> Fellas, if you're going to make a, a promise, just shake hands on it. Uh, this was an Old Testament practice. How many are thankful we're living in the New Testament now? Don't put your hand on my thigh. You're going to get hurt. Take um, <laughs> <laughs> Take an oath. By putting your hand under my thigh, verse three, and this, i want to preach out of this next Sunday. When we talk about finding the right person, there's a lot in this chapter. It's fascinating. Verse three, swear by the Lord, the God of heaven and earth, that you will not allow my son to marry one of these local Canaanite women. Go instead to my homeland, to my relatives and find a wife there for my son, Isaac. The third thing I want you to see is this, and this is an important part of parenting. Number three, parenting includes us learning from our past mistakes. Why did Abraham tell his servant, go go to my relatives and my family and pick out a wife for my son? Because Abraham had made some mistakes of his own. Abraham had gotten into some things that created a lot of hurt and heartache for his family. And what he's basically saying is this, I don't want the mistakes of my past, to jeopardize your future. Come on, moms and dads, how many of you, you can look back at your your experience as a parent and you can see, oh man, I I wish I could go back and do that differently. Man, I made a mistake there. Well, if I would have known then what I know now, we would do things a little differently. And you say, I want better for my kids. I don't want them to make the mistakes that I made. So we learn from our mistakes so that we can set a path for our kids so they don't have to make the same mistakes. And, and, and this is so important. Let, let me stop right here and, and talk to you about the blood of Jesus. Can I do that? Oh, I love the blood. I thank God for the blood. Because of the blood of Jesus, every sin, every stain, the guilt, the shame, all of that stuff is gone. So I'm not trying to guilt parents over the mistakes of their past. Listen, you don't live in the past, but you learn from it. And the blood of Jesus has the power to break any generational curse you think may be in your family, whether it's drugs or alcohol or for generations, you know, well, my grandfather battled this and maybe it was sexual addiction or, or maybe you can look at brokenness as far as infidelity and marriage and divorce for generations. And the devil wants you to think that you're simply a product of your past. Can I tell you this? You are not a product of your past. God's given you a promise for your future. And and the, 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 the sins and the stains and the guilt of yesterday do not have to follow you into today. I can't go back and undo what's happened in my ancestors, but I can make a decision today to do something different for my descendants. And the blood of Jesus has not lost its power. You plead the blood over your kids. Plead the blood of Jesus over your marriage. Plead the blood of Jesus over your family and your future. Uh, There's there's no sin or stain or guilt that's greater than the blood. Uh, There's a covering. In fact, you know, in Exodus, we read some of the Old Testament ways. The Bible says that the sins of the father would visit the sons down to the third and fourth generation. How many members reading that or hearing that? That's where we get this thing called generational curse. The sins of the fathers would visit the sons down to the third and fourth generation. But Exodus 20, the Bible says the blessing goes down to the thousandth generation. Now, let me ask you this. If the sins of our past go three or four generations deep, but the blessing of God goes a thousand generations deep, tell me which is greater, the blessing or the curse? The blessing is greater than the curse. You need to know that there's nothing from your past that the blood of Jesus can't handle. And I think this is so important. You know, when we talk about the blood, think about this. Think about doubting Thomas. Okay. One of the 12 disciples. He had a hard time believing that Jesus was really alive until what? What? until he saw the scars, he said, I'm not going to believe until I see the scars. And then Jesus shows up one day, says, Hey, look at my hands. Look at my feet. Don't doubt any longer. Believe what did Thomas say? He said, my Lord and my God, you see, our kids will believe God in spite of the scars that we carry. Don't be ashamed of those scars Don't be ashamed. Don't be afraid to say, you know what? I didn't always get things right. You know, uh, there are times you're going to need to just press pause and go to your kids and apologize to them for what you said, for the way that you acted. I've I've had to do that a number of times. Kids, listen, dad, when he said that to mom, I was agitated. That was I didn't say that right. Would you forgive me? You say, well, Mike, wait a second. If I do that, I'm going to lose my authority. No, you won't. If you're honest, you're going to gain credibility. You see, our kids appreciate honesty more than our expertise. Your kids know that you're not perfect. They're waiting for you to embrace your imperfection. And if I can be honest, if I can own up to my mistakes and apologize, guess what I'm teaching my kids? You be honest. You own up to your mistakes, and you apologize. Abraham told his servant, no, 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 no. I don't want my son to marry one of these Canaanite women. Take it from me. I made a few mistakes in my past. I want something better for my son. You see, your scars, ooh, I feel the Holy Ghost right now. Your scars may be an indication that you've had a past, but Jesus' scars are an indication that you got a future. And your future is greater than your past. Can I have a good amen? Oh, I love it, I love it. Let me finish this up. Let me wrap it up and ask the band to come up here quickly, 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 quickly. Uh, finally, finally, has, has this helped anybody today? Instilling purpose, number one. Modeling faith, number two. Learning from past mistakes, number three. And finally, number four, number four. Number... We're talking about raising Isaacs and some of you are thinking, man, I don't have an Isaac. I feel like I've got an Ishmael. I feel like I got a wild child. I feel like I got a wayward kid. Mike, please, what are we going to do with that? I want to tell you this. Number four, there is hope for your Ishmael. There is hope. Now, let me read this last scripture to you, okay? Let me read this last verse to you. Genesis 17, 20. Look at what God says. God's speaking to Abraham. He says this, as for Ishmael. Oh, this is so good. As for Ishmael. If you got a wild, wayward child, I want you to hear what God says. As for Ishmael, I will bless him also, just as you have asked. Some of you parents have been praying for your prodigals, and you have cried your tears, and it has been long and lonely nights. This is a promise. He says, I will bless him also, just as you've asked. I'll make him extremely fruitful. I'll multiply his descendants. He'll become the father of 12 princes, and I will make him a great nation two. What hope for mom and dad who are trying to figure out, man, it, I don't know. Man, I, ta- I taught them the same, same values, same house, same culture, same DNA, same church. We've done everything, yet I've got two different kids going in two different directions. Do you know the name Ishmael? We said the name Isaac means laughter. But do you know the name Ishmael literally means god will hear god listens i I want you to know god has heard the prayers that you've had for your prodigal kids brother wayne says this and this is this is so true Uh, you're only as happy as your saddest child some of you've got multiple kids and they're in very different places and you celebrate with one but you weep with another and your heart has been broken and you struggle struggled to find hope. God, is there hope? What else can I do? Some of you, listen to me, some of you have blamed yourself. And you've lived under the tremendous weight of guilt because of the choices that your adult children are making. And you're wondering, God, is there hope? Is there any hope? Well, I'm reminded of, a, of another father whose son came to him one day and said, Dad, give me my inheritance now. You know what he's telling his dad? When do kids get an inheritance? Somebody's got to die. You know what he's telling his dad? You're as good as dead to me. Some of you have had some very difficult conversations with your kids. Harsh, sharp words have been spoken. I mean, you still feel the sting of it. He says, Dad, you're as good as dead to me. Give me my inheritance now. And through brokenness... This father gives this son his inheritance. And you know the story. The boy runs off and he lives wild and crazy. He spends all of it, parties, women, doing his thing, until one day the money ran out. The boy had nothing left. And he finds himself slopping hogs in a pig pen. The ultimate of humiliations for a Jewish boy. He's dealing with pigs. And he's so hungry on the inside. You see, his appetite for the world is what caused him to leave the house. But now he's got an appetite. He's got a hunger from a different place. And it causes him to think for the first time. Boy, I feel the Spirit of God encouraging people right now. It causes him to think for the very first time, wait a second. I'll go back home. I'll go back to dad. Oh, but I can't go back the way that I left. Ooh, You know what? I'm, I'm not even worthy to be his son. I'll just beg him for a job. May, maybe, maybe he'll let me be a hired hand. Maybe, maybe I can be a servant. See, listen, I don't know where your kids are. I don't know what they've done or what they've become, but they'll always be your kids. And your love for them will never change. I don't care how young or how old, how successful or how miserable. They are your babies. The Bible says that this young boy makes his way back home. He's probably rehearsing a speech. He's thinking through, man, I'm just going to be a a servant, just a slave, just whatever I can do to get back to dad's house. And the Bible says that a long way off, that father saw him. I wonder how many times that dad went to that front porch, wondering, where is he? I wonder what he's doing. I wonder what's happening in his life right now. Couldn't find him, but was trusting God with him. See, some of you, God's saying, release your child to me. And even if there has to be a pig pen to turn his life around, I'll use whatever necessary to turn him back home. The Bible says when that boy was a long way off, his father saw him. Eastern men, they don't run for anything. They lose such dignity. Are you kidding me? But he ran to him. And it's a picture of the grace of God running to meet this boy. And he's he's trying to give his dad the speech, and his dad will have none of it. No, 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 no. I got a ring. I'm gonna put this ring on your hand. This ring symbolizes authority. Oh, I've got a robe. This robe, it symbolizes prosperity. Oh, I've got some shoes. Get him some shoes. These shoes symbolize direction. I wanna tell you, God wants to restore prosperity. He wants to restore authority. He wants to restore direction. Oh, and by the way, by the way, there's a calf that we've been preparing go ahead and slaughter that calf and we're going to have a barbecue here tonight because my son once was lost but now he's found he was dead but now he's alive all of us got to celebrate because my son has come home and i feel led by the spirit of god to speak prophetically to you and to your family that god is bringing sons and daughters home i don't know how i don't know when but god is big enough when you feel like your prayers hit the ceiling, God says, you know what? I've heard. God listens. Ishmael, God listens. I've heard everything that you've asked. And I'm a big God. And I can bring your sons and daughters back to the house. Do you receive that today? Come on, put your hands together if you believe that. Thank you for listening. For more information about Healing Place Church, go to healingplacechurch.org or give us a call at 225 225- 225 Seven five three two two seven three.